And you know what the emergency room doc said to me? What? You smell. <laughs> <laughs> David. Hey, Amy. Well, I am so excited about this episode. We just recorded yeah. the best interview with Marian Esposito, who I adore. Yeah. A legend. I grew up watching her. Me too. She has you know. the longest running cooking show on television, 30 seasons. Amazing. Yep. But and that's so- 30 years, not like 30 you know, Dancing with Stars season, which right. you have three in one year. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's three full years, uh, 30 full years. Yes, yes. She's amazing. So I want to get to that interview because it's so good, but let's just check in. And I actually, sure. Adam, we missed you because we did not see you the we last did. time we recorded. How was your Valentine's Day? Uh, just as anyone would draw it up, assuming you've got <laughs> three children uh, and a lot of activities. So three kids <laughs> equals four activities on a Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh God. yeah, it, it wasn't fantastic. And actually, it, it's funny, I just remembered this. At the end of the night, I cooked up just something really quick, just some chicken and everything. And I left it for my wife to, to heat up Aww. when she got home with, with my daughter from gymnastics class. That's sweet. And I wasn't very hungry. So I just kind of left mine to eat for lunch today. And I told her just as she was coming home, because it was still kind of hot as she was coming home, I was putting my youngest to bed. I'm like, hey, if you mind, put away the the food in the refrigerator. Mine's the big one. She said, okay. And then she was eating and mixed them up. Now, I like spicy chicken. She can't handle the mildest of mild. So she mixed them up and she ended up like in tears. (laughs) Happy Valentine's Day. Yes, love you. Yeah, you so sorry. You brought your wife to tears. But you know what, Adam? Yeah. It's those little <laughs> gestures like that you had the dinner ready for when she got home. It's those things that are so <laughs> meaningful in a marriage and a long term relationship. They are. It means everything. They are. Yeah. Amy, how was your Valentine's Day? Well, it was very mellow. Mm-hmm. I mean, we didn't do any big production y things, but yeah. I gotta say, I just speaking of being brought to tears, it's so silly, but Scott sent me this digital card. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was like a real card, but also a digital card. And he thought it was really cute because it was, they were using AI to have Dolly Parton sort of greet you and say like, well, happy Valentine's Day, Amy. You know, <laughs> ah, <laughs> it's, 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 it's video. So it looks like she's really saying it. Yeah. Like she recorded all the names. And then it was, I will always love you with all these sweet images. Right. I was in the car. I just dropped off my teenager at school, I started crying. Like yeah. the message of I will always love you somehow just hit so hard this mm-hmm. year because, you know, I don't know. It's like I've been doing a lot of family care and it just meant so much. How about you? Well, you know, mine mine was very distant. <laughs> <You know? laughs> the one is in Uruguay, 5,406 miles away. But we did do this thing and I... He wrote me a, a lovely text afterward. We got together on Zoom, and he had his meal. And you posted the picture yep. on Instagram. He had Instagram. a filet with, with greens and something else and a glass of wine. And I had chicken with olives and Marianne Esposito, our guest today, one of her recipes from her new cookbook, and also some cauliflower. And we had dinner together. And we just were oh. in front of the computer for like an hour. And I watched the sunset in Uruguay and he was the beautiful, behind him was this beautiful water scene of the ocean. And behind me was just the wall and it was lovely. And so he sent me a lovely text after that saying that it was so special 
to have done that and to have spent that time mm. together. So it was nice. It wasn't real, you know, a real Valentine's Day in a certain sense, but right. it was a Valentine's Day. So it's interesting. Yeah. All three of us had atypical Valentine's Days. But yet there's something there's still there. Valentine's Day. Yeah. David, I wanted to suggest... And I'm really surprising you with this right now, but I wanted mm. to suggest one yeah. thing we could do each week is highlight a recipe that we're just excited about mm-hmm. um, from our respective jobs. Right. I did a recipe for Yankee Magazine specifically because Super Bowl was coming up, but any kind of snacky thing, it was these maple sriracha chicken wings. And it's oh, the lovely. simplest sauce. Mm-hmm. And it's salt, pepper, garlic powder, start baking off the chicken wings, and then you make the glaze, which is... Two parts maple syrup to one part sriracha to half a part uh, soy sauce. That's Mm -hmm. it. You just stir those together. You take the wings out after they've been cooking for a bit. And then you glaze them, put them back in, cook them for seven more minutes, and they're done. And they're really good. And actually, I just got the nicest email from a reader saying that they're going to just be making these all the time now. Oh. What about you? Is there something you're particularly proud you of You really recently? have caught me off guard. You realize that. I can't I'm just sorry. very quickly I know. I'm sorry. search for something on the internet from my, on my site. <laughs> Let's but- give that David a... Yeah. No, no, we no, 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 the- no, no skipping it. No, you 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 threw down the gauntlet <laughs> and I'm I'm picking it up. Okay. That there is a recipe for what we call it on the website is a Dutch oven roast chicken with shallots, right? Ooh. And it's actually called Jackson Pollock chicken because it comes from the cookbook that he and Lee Krasner had put together or their recipe collection. And it's from the publisher, I think, Esseline. But we call it the Jackson Pollock chicken and the Alan Dunkelberger chicken because Alan is the reincarnated soul of Jackson Pollock. You have to wow. read. You have to read the blog post because there's some really weird overlaps between Ooh. their lives. But anyway, the chicken is great. It's a whole roast chicken. But what you do is you take shallots and you saute them in a, a big roasting pan, and then you throw some garlic in with the paper on it. And then once that's done, you nestle in the chicken. You have some thyme on top, salt, pepper, Uh a little bit of lemon juice goes in there. You cover it, you roast it for an hour. You take it out, you baste it. Now, what's happening is everything is breaking down and getting very soft. After you've basted it, you put it back in the oven, you take it out, and then you sprinkle some more lemon juice over it, a little bit of lemon zest, and those shallots are so sweet. And with all the chicken fat are just so amazing. And the garlic, you just take it and you pull it. It's like having artichokes. You put it through your teeth and you pull it, and it's the most beautiful flavor. It's so incredible, and it's so easy. It's so, so easy. Wow. So that's one, once you threw down the damn gauntlet, that I'm saying without even having to look up. That was all for memory, Good folks. For you. That's a 62-year-old memory right there. <laughs> and this is roast chicken season 100%. So 100%. that's awesome. It's, it's on that's the website. Great. It's so easy. So go for it, folks. You're going to love it. Great. And that's on Leeds Culinaria. Yes. So when it comes to our guest, Marianne, Esposito, what is it that you liked most about the episode? She has this encyclopedic knowledge of Italy. She has traveled to every corner of that country and her access to the stories and the context for the food. Context is everything. It is everything. And yet Mm -hmm. she also gave tons of incredibly practical suggestions Mm -hmm. for how to eat well on a budget because we all know food is really expensive right now. And the Italians have been cooking 
during lean times for centuries. And yeah. so she just knows all of that. Yeah, she's got it all. And folks, in case you start hearing these castanets in the background... We tried very hard to get Marianne not to talk with her hands, not to get so passionate about what she was saying, but she's slapping her thighs and she's hitting the table because she's so passionate about what she's saying. So if you hear that, that's what you hear. And that's passion, folks. That is that passion. That is passion. And I would never ask a fellow Italian to not talk with her hands. So Exactly. <laughs> there we go. Well, we hope you enjoy it. Welcome to the show, Marianne. Oh, thank you. Ciao, ciao. ciao That's ciao. what we're going to talk about today, right? Yeah, ciao, exactly. ciao. Exactly. <laughs> well, Marianne, many people know you for yeah. your public television show, Ciao Italia, which is the longest-running cooking show in TV history with 30 history. seasons. Yep. Amazing. Yes. So yes. for anyone who hasn't seen it, A, can you tell us about it? And B, how have you lasted so long? I know. I feel like a dinosaur. Well, uh, <laughs> Ciao Italia has lasted so long because, first of all, people love Italian food. But what people don't know is that Ciao Italia is a cooking show that's devoted to telling you that there is no such thing as Italian food. There's only regional food. Mm -hmm. And there are 20 regions of Italy. So, you know, even though Ciao is 30 years old and we've been doing regional recipes for all that time... I could go another 30 years, but that's not going to happen because there is so much, there's so much to know about regional food. You could really never cover it all in a lifetime. So, you know, we keep it simple. We give people stories about the recipes. It's just not, you know, okay, we're going to make a cake. Here's four eggs. Here's some flour. It's done. Mm -hmm. No, we give you the story behind the recipe. And people love that kind of thing. And it's a connection for them because many of them, when they see what we're doing, let's take struffoli as an example, which is a, a, an Easter dessert. Uh, you know, those are little honey balls mm -hmm. that have like sprinkled sugars all over yeah, them. Yeah. Oh my goodness, when you do something like that, you get emails and, and texts from people who say, you know, when you did that, it reminded me so mm. much of my grandmother and she would make these. So it's a connection. So that's why Chow has lasted so long. It talks about regional Italian food. It puts it in a simple perspective. It's doable for people mm -hmm. and they love the connection. Mm. Connects. Wow. Speaking of connection, I'm curious, I'm Portuguese. All my family came over from Portugal and I was wondering how much did your family identify with their Italian heritage when you were growing up? Oh, I can tell you that when I was inside the house, mm -hmm. it was Italy. Everyone yep. spoke mm. in dialect. Mm -hmm. The refrigerator was filled with strange foods, pig's yep. feet, those kinds of things. When you walked out the door, you were back in America. Yep. Mm. So they really kept that tradition alive and they wanted to pass it on. And I can tell you that as a kid, I hated all of this because Ugh. my mother and grandmother, my grandmother lived with us, my Neapolitan grandmother. So you know what, I was always listening to what they were saying. There was never a day when we weren't cooking something in volume yes. because all of your aunts and uncles lived close yes. by. Yep. And, and the you know, cousins. Your cousins. You just couldn't make <laughs> pasta for your family. Oh, no, no. You couldn't go to Lockport, New York in July and pick cherries, a bushel, right. for your own family. You know, we got to put the bushel for Aunt Josie. Then there's Aunt <laughs> Sam. Yeah. We got yeah. Angie. Oh, my God. You know, 
that's the way it was. Everything yep. was totally. in volume. And I grew to hate this so much so that I used to hide in the closet and read Nancy Drew books when they were ready to go to Lockport, New York to pick cherries. I would hide. They'd be calling me and I you know, didn't answer because I didn't want to do any of that stuff, you know. So, yeah, food was, that's the denominator. Yeah, Can I just say that? Oh, sorry, I know, yeah. David, you and I have so many <laughs> And you know yeah. this, Amy. You know this, Amy, because you grew up in an Italian home, too. Yes, and so I like, we've, talked about this, <laughs> David, you we've talked about this so many times about that. It, I love what you said was inside the home was yeah. Italy. Inside the yeah. home was Portugal or the Azores with us. Yeah. Outside was America. But my God, right. when you walked in. Oh, you no hamburgers, no, no, <laughs> no. no macaroni, yeah. nothing. It was only Portuguese, Portuguese right. food. Right, yeah. Well, and I think the three of us share being introverts in an extroverted <laughs> ethnic family yeah. because I was the kid reading in my bedroom. <laughs> yes, and I was the kid in my bedroom too who just did not want to be around all of that. I just, yeah. I wanted nothing more than to be American. That's all right. I wanted. Exactly. You yeah. know, I mean, it's it's so true for all of us. You it know? it really just, is. It's such a common denominator. Yeah. Now, you yeah. talked about mm. focusing on the authenticity of all the recipes from different regions in Italy. Yeah. Do you have a favorite region or regions? Well, you know, half my family is Sicilian, so I'm very partial to that part of, of Italy. Mm-hmm. But, and the other half is from Campania. I think that's where Amy's family's from, right? A- Amy from... Never- Actually, they're from Piemonte. They're from Piemonte, the north? Yeah. No kidding. I know. Isn't that unusual? That's very unusual because, you know, yeah. most immigrants were from southern I- Italy. Yep. That's very yeah. Right. Well, we were from the rural mountain area. Things were not so great You there. were yeah. from the chunk of terror, as they call it. You know, the Chico yeah. Terror. <laughs> the chunk. So, you know, although all the regions are wonderful, and as I said earlier, you know, they're all so different. Mm -hmm. And each year I take a group uh, to Italy. This year I'm taking uh, two groups. In May, I'm taking a group to Emilia Romagna, the central part of Italy. You know, it's kind of like the gastronomic center. And then uh, in the fall, I'm going to take a group to Friuli. You know, people know Venice, Uh, they know Rome, they know Florence. Do they know Friuli? Never heard of it. How about the Marche? Never heard of it. Mm -hmm. So it's the focus on the big three that has defined what people think is Italian food. Yeah. Whereas, I mean, you, Amy, Piemonte's food is very different, right? Right. So my goal is to open people's minds to, yes, there's a minestrone soup of different recipes out there that you should know about that are not the bread sauce-based dishes. Right. Yeah. Well, I think yeah. with the wow. success of the White Lotus, which this season took place in Sicily, oh I have a funny yeah. feeling you'll be taking a lot of and bringing a lot of people over to Sicily because <laughs> I want to go. It's just absolutely spectacularly beautiful. Yeah. The scenery is, is spectacular. Some of the characters <laughs> are a little questionable. We won't talk about them. <laughs> I've only seen the first episode of this of that second season. I didn't watch the first episode. Right. Someone said to me, oh, you've got to see it. It's a set in Sicily. And I'm thinking, oh, okay, great. So I yeah. turn it on. And, of course, that first episode was... It's kind of raunchy, but <laughs> right, <laughs> and it gets raunchier. But it's, I'll tell yeah, you, they say so that tourism is up for Sicily, yeah. and everyone sure. is going there. Everyone's yeah. looking up Sicilian food, and yeah. yeah, it happens like with Lisbon too. That became the hot spot for a while, yeah, and now yeah. it's Sicily. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, Marian, we would want to talk to you anytime because we adore you and we adore your work. <laughs> but we wanted to particularly talk to you right now because. 
you know, everyone is feeling the pinch in the supermarket mm. right now. Prices are have, are crazy. Yeah. Inflation may be slowing, but we are feeling the pain. And there are tremendous solutions to be found in Italian cookery. Exactly. Uh, you know, throughout history, Italians have learned to cook well in lean times with limited ingredients. Yep. Got it. So first, can you tell us a little bit about that history? Yes. You know, my grandmother was a good proponent of this kind of thing. She would make, for instance, you know when you have stale bread, the heel mm -hmm. of, of bread? Yeah. Most people today just throw stale bread away, but she didn't do that. She pounded all this bread down with her rolling pin, her mattarello, and then she would add an egg. Mm -hmm. She would add some grated cheese. Usually it was pecorino because parmigiano was too expensive. Pecorino, right. which is a sheep's milk cheese, was a lot cheaper. She would add pepper, black pepper. So this is just breadcrumbs, mm -hmm. a little cheese, mm -hmm. stale breadcrumbs, a little cheese, pepper, and she would make a ball of dough out of that. So then she put it in the mm. refrigerator. Next thing I know, she's got this stand cheese grater and she's grating yeah. This. So it's got these little, now you're making like little oh. shards, little mm -hmm. shards of, I don't know what you want to call And she would m make soup with her chicken feet, because she had chickens, yeah. with chicken right. feet, the chicken necks and all of that, and strain that all out. And then she would boil this type of pasta mm -hmm. in the soup. Now, huh. if you think about Italian history, this concoction that she did goes back to the passatelli, which you now see in a lot of uh, restaurants are serving passatelli, which is basically this. It is mm. grated Parmigiano cheese. Mm -hmm. It is breadcrumbs. It's an egg all you know, mixed together and then extruded through like a potato Ricer? masher. Yep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. As it is extruded, mm -hmm. it goes into boiling broth mm -hmm. and it's served as a soup. Now that costs pennies, mm -hmm. but the problem with people today is they don't think about using leftovers very much. Yeah. You know, like for instance, zucchini. If you have leftover zucchini, what can you do with it? Because now it's a little bit mushy. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I use it as an extender for meatballs, believe it or not. Oh, now, my oh. son, Chris, hates vegetables. And Me he too. hates zucchini. Right, okay. <laughs> he has no idea that this zucchini is in these meatballs, wow. which makes them so moist. So I just chop up the zucchini, yeah. and then mm -hmm. in my meatball mixture, which I usually do a third, third, third of, of beef, veal, and pork, but you could do all beef if you wanted to. Add, I add that along with my egg, the parmigiano, some breadcrumbs, a little milk, seasonings, make some nice meatballs, bake them. They're so tender and delicious. They're they're wow. really they're really good. Potatoes now. Potatoes are pretty cheap right now. So you know what can you do with potatoes besides bake a mm -hmm. potato? Mm -hmm. You can make a potato pizza. Very easy. So leftover mashed potatoes with mm. water, yeast, and flour makes huh. a delicious oh. crust. Oh my! A delicious crust. In fact, in in my new book, Ciao Italia, this one, yeah, which is all about vegetables and vegetable cookery. There's a really wonderful classic recipe in here for a torta barese. 
Badezi means from body, body. in the region yep. of, of oh. Puglia, where they do this exact same thing. They use potatoes wow. That's amazing. To, in the dough. And my grandmother was very smart because she also used the water that she cooked the potatoes in because that's got a lot of starch. starch. And you know yeah. as well as I do that yeast just goes crazy yep. you know, for, for wow. starch. And it, it, it helps the yeast develop, the dough develop. So, you know, there's a lot of ways to just get around what's happening there. How about something like eggs in purgatory? This is complete protein. You get a, yep. you get some spinach. Spinach is in season now. Mm-hmm. You got to think in season. You get a big bunch of spinach because we all know it cooks down to nothing. People, you know, they're not going to do this because oh, first of all, the spinach is so sandy. We got to clean it. Yeah, right. Okay, but once you've done that, the last thing you want to do to spinach is boil it, which is oh, what yeah. most people do. Think about mm-hmm. it. Spinach is ninety nine percent water. So why are you adding more water by boiling mm-hmm. this? You don't have to do any of that. <laughs> clean it. Put it in a saute pan, just with the water clinging to the leaves. Mm-hmm. Put a lid on it, and bingo. That's what in we do, two yeah. two or three minutes, you've got wilted spinach. Now what are you going to do with mm-hmm. it? Well, you could eat it like that, but you know, most kids would go, yuck, yuck, yuck. But what if you did what the Italians do? You took a couple eggs. Now, I know eggs are very expensive right mm-hmm. now. You know, $5 a dozen. Kills you, right? Yeah. But... This is a way to extend a meal. If you want like a side mm-hmm. dish or you want something that doesn't have meat, couple eggs, you put the spinach, leave it in the, in the pan that you cooked it in, and then you crack, make a couple holes in the spinach, and you put the eggs in, drop the eggs in, like you're doing a poached egg almost, right? Mm-hmm. And you put the cover on, you let that just, you know, set up until the eggs are all poached. Then you can just add some cheese, tomato sauce, Put it over a slice of great crusty bread. Mm-hmm. It's delicious. I mean, and, there, wow. and those are ways that you know aren't going to. It's not going to break the bank. You know, no matter what we do today, everything is expensive, and I don't think we're going backwards. We're not. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. We're not going backwards. Mm-mm. Butter is now five dollars a pound. Mm-hmm. You think they're going to say, mm-hmm. okay, okay, all right, let's make less money. Yeah, <laughs> let's make less money. No, yeah. butter will always be five dollars a pound. Now. Yeah, yeah. But there's just mm-hmm. so many. There's just so many ways that you could... Now, mushrooms, for instance, you love steak, right? But steak is expensive. What could you have that could kind of emulate steak? Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. could do portobello mushrooms. Everybody says, you know, portobello mushrooms, they have that texture. So let's mm-hmm. take it one step further. So you get, get yourself a couple big, beefy portobello mushrooms. And what I do is I turn it over and I take out those the brown gills. So I have, you know, it's nice and white. Mm-hmm. And then... I've got some cooked uh, greens. It could be broccoli rape. It could be spinach. It could be uh, Swiss chard. And Mm -hmm. I cook the mushroom first in a little bit of butter just to soften it. Then I flip it over so it's capside down, Mm -hmm. put the greens on top, have some grated cheddar cheese, put it under the broiler. It's it's great. It's delicious. Mm -hmm. See, it's amazing. And all of this is costing practically nothing. Nothing. and there are things that really, I don't think the prices of these things have gone sky high. Well, eggs aside. Eggs have. Yeah, eggs, eggs have. aside. Now, what about pasta? What are some really, really inexpensive pasta dishes? Well, really inexpensive pasta dishes. My favorite is cacio pepe. Mm, so cacio yes. pepe is cheese and black pepper. I mean, in Sicily, we were talking about Sicily earlier. Mm-hmm. You know, coming up now on March 19th is the Feast of St. Joseph. Now, that's a cult mm. figure in Sicily. And they do, you know, because it's bef- it's during Lent, mm-hmm. they do 100 dishes to celebrate Saint Joseph, especially in the town of Salemi, Sicily. I was there one year for this uh, this 
um, feast. And here's how they serve it. They, they cook up all this spaghetti and they have a big trough Right. They bring in the middle of the town. <laughs> big, big trough. I've got a bunch of people. Wow. Oh, it's my kind I'm... of dining. Yeah. And so <laughs> in the trough, in the trough is the cooked spaghetti uh-huh. with olive oil, uh-huh. sugar, sugar, and breadcrumbs. Now you say to yourself, what? Yeah. And yes, because why is this served like this? The breadcrumbs represent the shavings of a carpenter. And uh, St. Joseph yep, was a carpenter. carpenter. So they've got this big trough. It's already served. And the people that are with me are saying, well, how are they going to eat that? And people in the town, and we wouldn't do this now, of course, but the pandemic and everything, they would just pick it up with their hands. Mm-hmm. You've seen pictures of this, you know, old Naples where they're eating the pasta with picking. Mm. And this is what they do. People are saying to me, well, where are the forks? You know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, <it's> yes. <laughs> and how does it taste with the sugar? Is the sugar there just to enhance or is it meant to be a sweet dish? The sugar there is meant to be a little bit of a sweet dish because remember, think about it. When you think about Sicilian cooking, mm-hmm. who was the most influential of the countries that invaded Sicily. The Arabs. Right. And the Arabs brought sugarcane yeah. to Sicily. So that, you know, it's an integral ingredient. Mm-hmm. But getting back to cacio pepe, so this is my favorite dish. A pound of spaghetti, right? Boiling water, olive oil, coarse black pepper, mm-hmm. and pecorino cheese. That's it. Yeah. It is so comforting. It is so comforting. It's, I agree. it's just a great dish. Something else that you could do that's very simple, of course, would be just a very simple tomato sauce. And I'm talking about, you know, you go to the store, you pay, what, seven, eight dollars for a jar of tomato sauce? I don't know because I've never bought a jar of tomato sauce. <laughs> but if you, you know, <laughs> let's let's say you buy just a little half pint of cherry tomatoes. Just chop them up. Mm-hmm. You have an onion? Okay, great. Mince that up, or or some spring onions, whatever. A garlic clove or so? Mm-hmm. Okay, put that in with a little olive oil. Get that all soft. Boil up the pasta. But get the cherry tomatoes in with the, the, the olive oil and the garlic and the, and the onions. Get a little of that water with all that starch in it. Add it to the tomatoes. Take your pasta out. Put it in the pan. Toss, toss, toss. Bingo. And now you could add other things to it. Have you got a bag of frozen peas? throw some of those in. Right. You know, carrots, anything. You know, mushrooms. It doesn't take much to really enhance a dish where you will feel satisfied in fact, oh, I didn't miss out on anything. Yeah. Right? One of my now, favorites is to cook pasta, like spaghetti, bucatini, something like that, and then put a bowl on top while it's boiling, and then in it put some cream, put some lemon juice, some lemon zest, mm. and some Parmesan cheese. Get that smooth, some yep. pepper, and as soon yep. as the pasta is done, you pick it up with your tongs and put it in so you get a little bit of pasta water in there. Yes. You toss it and you serve it, and it costs practically nothing, and it's so delicious. I'm going to make that. That sounds really, really good. so, so easy. Let's underscore the importance of using the pasta water when you're making any yeah. kind of pasta yeah. dish. Marion, will you just quickly hit on that? Because that's another yeah. way to be really economical and have better pasta. And it's the have new thing pasta. now. It's Everyone's talking about using pasta yeah. water. Yeah. 
Uh, well, the, the, the new thing is the old thing that the Italians always do is that they would take some of that water, which is starchy, right. and add it to the pan with the sauce. But you want to cook the pasta to the al dente stage. I mean, in Italy, people eat pastas much firmer than they do here. So that when they go traveling to Italy, go, well, they don't know how to cook pasta. It's too hard. No. It's firm. It holds its shape. So you want to take the pasta directly from the pot and put it in the sauce pan. Mm -hmm. Nobody in Italy mm -hmm. drains pasta, puts it on a plate, and dumps the sauce on top. Right. No. You want to put it in the saute pan where you've added some of that starchy water with the pasta that's still a little undercooked because now you're going to finish cooking it mm -hmm. in the saute pan with the water. Because the pasta should be firm. It should hold its shape. I always tell people, you know, if you go to a restaurant and let's say you ordered rigatoni and it comes and it's all collapsed. It doesn't yeah. hold its tubular shape. You know that that is overcooked pasta. Yeah. If it does not hold its tubular shape, it's overcooked. You want to send that mm -hmm. back. One of the things that I do when I, people ask me what is al dente pasta, I'll say if you're having spaghetti, pull it out, take a bite... And then yeah. just, there should be this tiniest dot of white in the middle. Exactly. And right there, that's al dente. Start putting your sauce together with yeah. it and you'll be fine because it'll finish absorbing that sauce. Right. And it's Because so that wonderful. little dot is what? Is flour. Exactly. Right. It's just, it, it's flour. So when you don't see that little dot, when you see it's almost my, you can hardly see it, then you want to take the pasta out. Right. Marian, I just want to circle back very quickly to St. Joseph's Day because yeah. a lot of people don't know about it, but it's a really big deal for yeah, Italians and Italian-Americans. Yeah. And many people may know of zeppole, which are these delicious kind of shoe pastries mm -hmm. that you have around St. Joseph's Day. But in my family, we had what we called for sirs, which is dialect for oh. sort of fritelle. We, we would okay. make fried dough dusted with yeah. sugar. Sure. Don't know why, but it was the tradition. Sometimes we'd make it with ricotta, but sometimes it was just a simple yeasted fried dough. dough. And yeah. Like you said, there's no one Italian food. It's, so wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. Over. So zeppoli or zeppole, I always thought that it was dough, not shoe pastry. Well, shoe pastry is a dough, but I thought it was like a thicker, heavier it, dough. It is. It can be a shoe oh, okay. pastry, oh, okay. but in many, in many places, it's a yeasted, a, a risen oh, interesting. dough, like okay. a donut, like a donut yeah, dough. Like but they do, do. She's right. They do do a show pastry as wow. well. Uh, but it depends on where you are. You yeah, know? right. Yeah, yeah. That's great. Okay, let's talk about arancini because mm -hmm. these are so good. Yeah, you, uh, they're they're fried rice balls. You could mm -hmm. fill them with just about anything. What are what's your take on arancini? Well, it's funny that you should ask me this because on the last group uh, tour that I did to Sicily, I'm on the bus and we have our guide is with us. And the bus driver, she's from Palermo. Mm -hmm. The bus driver is from Calabria. So now I'm listening to this discussion about the <laughs> Arancina or the Arancino. So uh -oh. nope, the bus driver is ah. saying, no, 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 Arancina. And the guide is saying, no, 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 Arancino. So ah. I mean it's it's you know depending on where you are it, the name is is different. So arancine the name means orange because mm -hmm. they're shaped like an orange. And besides that the rice was colored with saffron to give it an orangish 
color. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the saffron, of course, came from Sardinia. Sardinia is the place for saffron. I mean, you, you go to Sardinia and you just see crocus flowers everywhere. So who introduced rice to, to Sicily? Rice in an arid climate? No, can't be possible. Yeah, because at one time, before you had all of these invasions, you know, the Spaniards, the Normans, the Greeks, the Phoenicians, the Romans, they all contributed to Sicilian cuisine. But before that, Sicily had trees. (laughs) <laughs> Lots of trees. They, it wasn't as it wasn't as arid as it wow. was. They actually had rice fields in Sicily. Wow. Well, that Amazing. no longer exists. So the Arabs introduced rice to Sicilian culture, and because there was saffron, and because there Sicily is just loaded with citrus, mm-hmm. oranges, mm-hmm. nectarine, you name it, you know, limes, everything. It kind of took its you know shape from that. Mm. But the question is, what's the filling? The right. filling varies. Like my grandmother used to do ham and mozzarella with peas. Mm-hmm. Ham and mozzarella and peas were the filling. Okay, that's fine. Other parts of Sicily, they make a ragu. So you have a thick ragu. That's oh. the filling. Mm-hmm. So on this last trip, I had everybody in the group make their own arancini. So they made the balls, and you have to use a risotto rice. You have to use like an arborio or a carnaroli rice. You can't do this with minute rice. You need something that's <laughs> <No>. <laughs> starchy, yeah. you know, that's, that's very starchy, a short grain type of rice, which is what, you know, the arancine uh, are made from. And so you do your filling, your rice is cooked, you're making a compact ball, then you're putting this into egg and breadcrumbs, mm-hmm. and you're deep frying it. Arancine are a street food in Sicily. Mm-hmm. So it's not like something you're going to sit down to dinner, you know, and have that. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's another thing that could be a cheap meal, you know, doing these arancine balls. You don't even have to put a filling, just do the rice, egg, you know, and breadcrumbs. But it's a street food. So when you're walking around the market, you're listening to all the dialectic stuff going on, and you, you're handed these hot and you eat them. And they're wonderful. They're wonderful. But the, even in Sicily, there's that discussion is it arancina? Or is it Arancino? And it was just nice sitting on the bus listening to these two go back and forth about, oh, no. We- <laughs> so I didn't know that it was a street food. I thought it started yeah. as a way of using up leftover risotto from the night before. No, no, no it's a street food, you know. And, and But it's a good thing to do with, you know, leftover yeah. risotto, yeah, that's what which I've is done fine. When I've yeah. had, like, leftover meat and leftover risotto, yeah. I yeah. put the meat inside and then yeah. make the uh, the arancini. You know what I do with leftover risotto? Mm-hmm. I make risotto patties out of it. Yeah. Mm. You know, I just compact it like a hamburger, and then I get a little olive oil going, and yeah. I just put it in a frying pan, yeah. do it as a side dish. Yeah. Wonderful. Marianne, another way to offset your grocery bill, of course, is to grow your own garden. And your most recent book, your 14th, is a gardening cookbook. And it's this time of year when people start planning a garden. Any recommendations for vegetables and varieties? Yes. Well, this book is meant to be a primer. Mm-hmm. It's filled with vegetable recipes, but if you want to grow your own vegetables, it's it's kind of like a guide for you too. So mm-hmm. in the book, I tell you, first of all, think small. If they're yes. a first-time gardener, think small. Don't you? People have grand plans, you know. <laughs> oh, they're going to grow this, this, and this. Yeah. Think small because a garden is a lot of work. Secondly, where is your garden going to go? I mean, it's important to have an area where you get six to eight hours of continuous sunlight. You need that. Do you have a source of water? 
near the garden? Mm-hmm. I mean, or are you going to be running to your kitchen with buckets and going up the hill or wherever it is? <laughs> Do you know what zone you live in for gardening? And yeah, if you're in the northeast, yes. you're in zone five. So the type of vegetables that you're going to grow are very different than the ones in the south. They're not that they're different, but they're going to come in at different times. Right. Like, you know, in South Carolina, you're going to get your tomatoes in, in June, and we're not going to get ours until August because I live, you know, in New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the book is filled with all these kinds of tips. But in the beginning of the book, I tell you that everything that I know about vegetable gardening, I learned from my husband, Guy, because mm-hmm. he is the head gardener for Chow Italia. And over the 30 years that we've been doing this, I've always incorporated a couple episodes devoted to the garden. Mm-hmm. I think we were one of the first shows to do this, where we're outside mm-hmm. in the dirt mm-hmm. showing you where does the seed go? What happens right. to it? What's a seedling? And then when the flowers appear, how do you know when to harvest you mm-hmm. know, these vegetables? So all of these, all of these tips are in the garden. And then I divided the book into the spring garden and the summer garden. And you're absolutely right, David, because now is the time to think about the garden. It's not, oh, come June, you're going to, oh, I'm going to plant a garden. No. Right. You're thinking about this when the snow is flying, you know. Mm -hmm. How large is your garden going to be? And I'm very aware that there are a lot of people who do not have space for a garden. So Mm -hmm. what can you do? In the book, I tell you that it's, in Italy, everything is so crowded in the cities that people still have vegetables you know, in pots. Yeah, so they container do container gardens. gardening. You look up on a balcony in Italy, the, what do they got? Tomatoes, basil, mm-hmm. you know, everything. Even olive trees mm-hmm. uh, are growing on rooftops uh, in Italy. So you could do some container gardening. And even if you didn't want to do that, you could join a community garden. You could get your own little plot Very good in a point. Yes. community garden. You don't want to do that? Well, then take advantage of your local farmer's market so that mm-hmm. you are eating vegetables that are in season. This is so critical to the Mediterranean diet. Italians don't eat things out of season. And this was brought home very clearly when I took a group this past fall to Italy and this woman, she wanted melone e prejuto. That's what she wanted. <laughs> right. And the woman goes like this. <laughs> right. No. She's shaking her finger. No. Yeah. She says, it's not the season for melons, she says. Yeah. But anyway, I talk about the spring garden and what kind of plants grow in a spring garden, like Mm. lettuce, you know, peas, Mm. spinach, cool weather crops. Then we move to the summer garden because you can't plant tomatoes in April like you can lettuce. That's Mm -hmm. a cool weather crop. So in in June, we can put in the tomato seedlings. Now, a lot Mm. of these things we grow under grow lights in our our basement. So we start with seeds, not plants. Mm -hmm. But you can start with seedlings. You don't have to put, you know, if you don't have a basement with a grow light, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. So I was, you know, thinking about this as I was writing the book. Not everybody's going to do what I'm going to do. And right. not everyone has the, has the space or time to do this. So I tried to make it as user-friendly as possible for all kinds of situations. Mm. And then there are the 120 recipes in the book that cover everything from, you know, anipasti all the way to desserts where we, we use herbs for uh, desserts. And, and uh, I'm thinking of the rose geranium cake, which is really beautiful. Oh, oh that's, yeah. And Tuscan rolls that are done with rosemary that used to be considered a snack, a merenda for children when they came home from school. And, you know, a lot of these things are no longer done in Italy anymore because Italy, like the U.S., is changing. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. You don't have the Nonas and the That's Zias right. at yep. home cranking out the pasta anymore. You know, they go to the, the pasticceria to buy things. And that, to me, is it's kind of sad in a way because the whole point of Chow Italia is to preserve those mm-hmm. traditions so that they're not lost to time. Right. Have you, yeah. speaking of sweets and, and using uh, vegetables or herbs, have you ever made basil ice cream? No, but I'd like to try it. I've made basil <laughs> ice cream and I had candied pine nuts on top. Oh, I made it. It's really very good. Do you want to know my tip for basil? Uh-huh. Fresh basil. Yep. So you know when you pick fresh basil or mm-hmm. you bring it home, it looks lovely. And Gorgeous. A mm-hmm. couple days later, no. it's limp as limp can be, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Well, so I've tried everything. I put it in the refrigerator. Not a good idea. Basil does not like cold. And it does not like water hitting its leaves. Now, Amy, you mm. would know this better than me because you come from the region where basil is king, Liguria, mm. right? Mm-hmm. So a friend of mine actually told me this. I can't take credit for it. She said, well, just put it in a glass with a little bit of water in the mm-hmm. base. Mm-hmm. And just put a plastic bag over the top of it. And I'm thinking, what? So I did this. And honest to Pete... This basil, try it. This basil stayed fresh for a week. It was like, wow. you know, I just brought it home. And you leave it on the counter? Is that it? You leave it on the counter with the right. plastic bags over the top of it. So every time you want something, you just pluck a couple leaves, put the plastic. I think it acts like a little greenhouse or yeah. something. Yeah. yeah. It keeps you know? the moisture in. Yes. But it stays so fresh and lovely. So Great tip. Anyway, well, that's my pseudo tip. I mean, I didn't, you know. Yeah. <laughs> tip that you it's passed great. on. I borrowed it. I borrowed the tip. Speaking of ice cream, I had garlic ice cream at the Gilroy Garlic Festival. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, oh, how was that? Ago. It's it's actually not bad. It's really? uh, it's not something I would have regularly, but it was better yeah. better than I thought. It wasn't like ah. a terrible ordeal to eat it. Yeah. So, Marianne, going back to all your many trips, all your time in Italy, yeah. can you think of the most memorable meal that you ever had in Italy? Oh, yeah. Really? Well, I can think of of several. The most memorable dish and memory I have in Italy is of eating near Trapani, which is on the west side of Italy. Trapani is where the salt mines are. Mm -hmm. So this this is all the salt from Sicily's there in Trapani. And I had arranged for this group that I had to uh, eat in a palazzo with a baron and a Berenessa. Oh. Now, if you've ever read The Leopard by Giuseppe Lampedusa, mm-hmm. you would think that you were in the story because we wow. show up at this palazzo. Mm-hmm. It's dilapidated. It's crumbling. It looks horrible on the outside. It's in this crazy neighborhood. Knock on the door. Door opens and a butler comes. He's in a Wedgwood blue outfit mm. with brass buttons, mm-hmm. white gloves. Shows us in. Okay. And we meet the Baron and the Baronessa. Now we're, we're having a little Prosecco and stuff. And then we're ushered into this huge dining room. It was like a football field, you know. And wow. she sat at one end of the table. He yeah. sat at the other. And now these women in black uniforms with the little white hats and the white frilly aprons started to come and serve us. And honest to God, I thought it was in an episode of The Leopard. And they brought out what to me is one of the most classic and intriguing dishes in all of Italian regional repertoire. And that was the timbalo di melanzane e cucatini. 
So the timbalo is like a domed pie. Yeah. And in the old days, it was first made using a like a pasta frolla, pastry crust. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you would line a big pan. And then in it, you would put thick pasta. The bucatini means pasta with a hole in it, so it's right. thick. Mm-hmm. You would make these tiny popatine, little tiny meatballs. You would have tomato sauce. You would have basil. You would have cheese. And then you would fold the pastry over this whole thing. You bake it in the oven, and then it's cut into a wedge. And actually, in the book, uh, The Leopard, this whole pie is talked about. It's it's really very mm. interesting. But at that time, it had more intricate things in it, like chicken livers and mm. the cock tops of the chickens and yeah. all this stuff. Well, so they served this, and it was just, it was so memorable. The only problem was, beyond that, they also served three other pasta dishes. So, you know, none of us are thinking we're going to have three pastas, right? (sighs) And you can't be rude, so you have to eat this. So my son is with us, my son Chris, who has a terrible fish allergy. And as you know, Sicily's an island, so guess what? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of fish in the diet. I said to the Berenessa, who was sitting next to me, that my son had this fish allergy. I'm explaining this to her in Italian. Mm-hmm. She says, non si preoccupa, signora, non si preoccupa. She says, we know. We, you know, The kitchen will take care of it. Well, the kitchen right. didn't take care of it. Oh, and where's God. his EpiPen as he's starting oh, to eat this? Gosh. In the hotel. Oh, no. Right. So, oh. I mean, that was a meal I'm not oh. going to forget. <laughs> so, But when I, when I make the timbalo, and you can find the recipe for timbalo on our website, I don't use the pastry because there's another version which uses eggplant. And if you know anything about Sicily, you know that eggplant is king mm. in Sicily mm-hmm. in every which way you can think of it. Even as a dessert where it was, was covered in chocolate and this oh came my. from the Arabs. So wow. you would do that same thing, but instead of using the pastry dough, you would use thick slices of eggplant that you have just kind of sautéed so they're limp because you have to be able to bend it, you know. Right. And you would right. line your pan with that and then you'd, you'd do that whole filling. And I've made that so many times and that that's really one of my very, very favorite dishes. And it's an interesting story because it talks about, you know, Sicily is changing now in the 19th century where around the time that this novel is written, 1861, when Italy became unified. Did, what did that mean? It just it, They were unified in name. But they weren't unified as people because, well, I mean, all these centuries they're talking their own dialect. They're doing, you know, it took a long time. Even today, if you go to Liguria, where Amy's from, somebody mm-hmm. from Sicily has no idea what they're talking about because the dialect is different, very yep. different, very different. So there's still that regionality about many, many recipes. Marianne, we have one more thing we'd like you to partake in, which is our world famous Feared by foodies everywhere. Uh-oh. Chop, chop, brown. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, please. Don't, don't so, make me do it. Okay. <laughs> what do I have to do? Just answer whatever comes to your mind. You just answer. Okay. okay. Amy's going to start. What is your go-to meal to make when you're dead tired? Scrambled eggs. Same. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right, what is your best time-saving trick in the kitchen? Oh, chopping garlic with salt. Mm. Because it goes so much faster. If you yeah. put salt on top of garlic, it becomes creamy. Mm. And it's done in seconds. Oh, great. Favorite food TV show or movie? Big Night. Me too. <laughs> Your most beaten up cookbook? Well, Julia Child's. 
the uh, the art. Yeah, Julia Child's cookbooks, yeah. right? Most beaten up ones. Your sister broadcaster. Uh, okay, how yeah. about your greatest faux pas in the kitchen? Oh, winding up in the emergency room with first degree burns on my hands because I tried to light the pilot oven with a mat with a piece of uh, newspaper because I was afraid of matches and it, it, it caused an explosion while I was trying to make oatmeal cookies for my husband when he was in medical school. Same. Oh. <laughs> My, that I think is the winner out of all that we've heard from people. That's the winner. (laughs) Oh, my. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Amy, you're like, oh, no. (laughs) And you know what the emergency room doc said to me? What? You smell. (laughs) Because my hair was all singed. Oh, my God. Oh, God. Oh, it's so good to hear that other people who are like culinary (laughs) gods have these problems. So what was the last best thing you ate? The last best thing I ate was tuna tartare with Mm. raisins and pine nuts. Mm. Where'd you, did you make it or did you have it somewhere? No, I didn't make it. I was in a restaurant and it was, it was a tapas restaurant. And, Mm. you know, because when I, people say to me, well, what's your favorite Italian restaurant? I said, I eat at home. But, you know, when I go out, I don't want to eat Italian because that's what I do, right? Right. So I was at a tapas uh, restaurant and this was on the menu and I decided to try it and it was fabulous. Ah, that's so good. I love raisins and pine nuts. Like, it shows up in so many cuisines. So good. Right. Okay. What are the most underrated and overrated Italian dishes? The most underrated and overrated. Well, the most overrated Italian dish is deep dish Chicago style pizza. (laughs) (laughs) Fine words. Shots fired. (laughs) And the most underrated uh, Italian regional dish is anything that has broccoli rape in it. The bitter, the real kind, right? Oh, my God. If I get one more question about how do I take the bitterness out of broccoli rape, I think I'm going to scream because my answer is, guess what? Broccoli rape is meant to be bitter, and bitter is better. So, Bitter Bitter is is better. better. I like that. That's my philosophy in life. I was going to say yes. That justifies my entire existence. Bitter is better. I'm bitter, so I am better. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Marietta, it's been such a delight talking with you. We hope you'll come back on the show again soon. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been a lot of fun. And All right. Ciao, ciao. Thank you. <laughs> ciao, ciao. Marianne Esposito is the creator and host of the nationally televised PBS show Ciao Italia with Marianne Esposito, the longest-running cooking show in America. She's also the author of 14 cookbooks, including her most recent book called Ciao Italia, Plant, Harvest, Cook. Through Ciao Italia and appearances on other programs like the Today Show and the Food Network, she's been able to share traditional Italian cooking, history, and culture with audiences around the world. Talking With My Mouthful is produced by Overt Studios, and our producer is the frugal and fabulous Adam Claremont. You can reach Adam at Overt Studios at overtstudios.com. And remember to follow Talking With My Mouthful wherever you download your favorite podcasts. And as always, if you like what you hear and want to support us, please leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts. Ciao. Bye, David. Okay, <laughs> that's something in my throat. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
Last time I was having back spasms. <laughs> I love you so much, David. I love you. Now I have like adenoids or something. <laughs> <laughs> Talking with my mouth full. <laughs>